everybody, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. My name is Andy. Sitting across the table from me is Jenny. Hello. And your third co-host, 111 miles to our southwest, is Megan. Hello. A lot of good stuff to get into. Let's crack right into it. The Elite Beep. Elite Beat. Pop of the week. I think it's an all-crack week. Okay. So I've got a White Claw natural lime. I've got an Aranja Boom uh, premium lager. That didn't sound very good. And Megan? Why do you think I have a crack? You told me that you were going to just do exclusively canned wine going forward. Oh, I couldn't get a hold of any canned wine this week. Damn it! I know, but I am going to, because, like, canned wine might be good, guys. I I know Jenny doesn't subscribe to that, but I'm going to be a convert. Um, but this it's, week... It's like how Jenny doesn't believe that pornography is real, and she'll never watch it to, to test the theory. I... She doesn't believe it's real? I mean, I knew she would never, ever watch it. And Guys, it's not real. There's no way people would do that. People have sex on camera? Yeah. Like, not Yeah, that's on. real. No. Yeah. Okay. I can't have this argument with you right now. <laughs> what do you have? Um, I didn't get canned wine, so I went the complete opposite way, and I have a Gloria Ferrar Brute, uh, what is it, the Reserve... The very Ooh. fancy one. Shit, Megan went fancy this week. It's because the wine club sent it to me and I didn't have to do anything to get it. Nice. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. So let's see how this goes. This pop. Ooh, that sounded nice. That was really nice, Megan. Yeah, thank you. I used the champagne opening tool because I had to muscle this a little bit. Nice. Way to go. Sounds great. Well, cheers. We're, we're drinking out of our Cleveland Browns cork sickle, so it wasn't much of a cheers there. That's right. As we're recording, they're getting ready to uh, play a game of American football against the Cincinnati Bengals, and as we're an all-Browns-supporting uh, podcast, all three of the hosts, uh, <laughs> go Browns. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Being the Elite... Episode 221, A Very Slippery Rope. Megan, uh, any general thoughts on this week's BTE? Um, I had some segments I wrote down that I very much enjoyed, but I thought overall it was it was a good one. Dance-Off was the best segment we've had in a year. Dance-Off was amazing. I don't know if it was the best segment we've had in a year, but it's up there. I think this might have been the best top-to-bottom episode this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I this year it stretches out for five years, so I can't super <laughs> remember where the cutoff is, but man, it feels like this has been one of the overall more funny ones in a while. Yeah. Uh, the dance-off we're talking about was uh, a dance-off between the Dark Order of Silver and Reynolds as they were trying to recruit the Hybrid 2, Jack Evans and Angelico, and if they won their dance-off judged by a panel of judges then TH2 would have to join the Dark Order. But TH2 has Jack Evans and his sick, sick gymnastic moves. Yes. 
Um, what it was was three bad dance performances, and then Jack Evans came in at the end to save it. Um, Thank you. I, I, I felt like Angelica was holding back because he can't be that acrobatic and not have any moves, right? Acrobatic and rhythm are two different things. I guess. I, his dances, his dancing, even like as part of their gimmick, is so lazy. He just kind of leans back and shakes his shoulders a little bit. You're right, that might be the limit of what he's capable of. But anyway, so they had this panel of judges. Wardlow went for uh, Reynolds and Silver because, you know, probably he was feeling good about last week. All the compliments. Uh, Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy went for TH2. He didn't really seem that invested. And then the third was Stu Grayson. And even with the prospect of recruiting two new members of the Dark Order, uh, he thought it was better to screw over Reynolds and Silver and uh, and voted against them. Yeah. And then... I think that's understandable. Yeah. And then Reynolds and Silver tried one more time to recruit uh, Orange Cassidy. And again, Orange slowly but surely pushed the, the Kool-Aid off of the table and uh, John Silver had to deal with sticky steps. And Silver and Reynolds took their revenge on, or tried to take their revenge on Grayson. Yes. Unfortunately, they don't know how to spell stew. Or Brody. They, uh, <laughs> they, there was writing in the bathroom mirror, I believe it said, Brody sucks, uh, and then signed stew, S-T-O-O-O, and, uh, this, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's impossible to recap, this was all just really good, like, comedic timing and stuff, but, uh, they were foiled. And then they had to argue about how to fit both of their heads in the toilet at the same time as punishment. I like how Brody got mad and then looked at Stu and goes, wait, how do you spell your name? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, okay. And Stu, while holding a paintbrush that John Silver had given him, was like, S-T-U. And then Brody goes over to the mirror and very carefully points out each letter that is not S-T-U, it's S-T-O-O-O, as Andy said. It was like... I don't know, Brody played dumb, but it worked. Yeah. I really liked um, when there was also a bit in there that was like kind of, it was kind of understated. I don't know if you caught it or not, but there was a joke about how when, um, when Silver came out of the, out and he was all covered in red, uh, Evil Uno made a Matt Cardona joke. And, yes. And about, like, niacin or whatever. Like, whatever that stuff that makes you, you know, your veins pop and you make you red. And, and Brody looked at him and said, do you know how over we are in the internet? You're going to make jokes like that. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, and I liked Anna Jay uh, just kind of hanging out by the entrance of the bathroom, being, like, way above all of the rest of them. Yeah, she fist bumped Stu, I think, when he walked in. So they're cool. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Kingston cut a promo on a cookie as he continues his babyface turn with me. I I found it very hard not to like him in that segment, and I'm worried that maybe he doesn't suck. Ugh, but I don't know. I listened to his unrestricted interview today, and I really liked him on that, too. Man, I... I'm going to stick with my hatred for now. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. I was happy, though, in that segment that Sue, Trent's mom, got to attend promo class for some reason. That tipped me off that she must be playing into the main event of Dynamite. 
because she was there. I She didn't need to learn how to do a promo, but no. it was funny to see her sitting there. And no, she just, seemed like she was she having was fun. She was in Jacksonville, so I knew that she would... Because she, they taped two shows, or they did a, a live show and a tape show last week, So I, and she wasn't on the live show. So mm. I knew she was there for something, and it wasn't just to be on BTE. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I just... Sue, you're great. All right. Uh, that's, I guess that's about it, right? No, there was one very important thing. Okay, go ahead. They gave a storyline reason for why Matt Seidel whiffed his shooting star press. Oh, that oh, was actually true. really good. Yeah. Uh, Michael Nakazawa, bitter about not getting put into the Battle Royal, snuck out earlier covered the turnbuckle in his gross baby oil, and then almost killed Matt Seidel. And when he was done doing that, he went back to the EVP room where, you know, Kenny and the Bucks were watching, and they were like, oh, damn it. This was such a great, supposed to be such a great moment. And then Nakazawa's like, guess what I did? <laughs> and then he told Matt Seidel too, and Matt Seidel was like, no, man, these things happen in wrestling. Like, it was just a mistake. It's okay. It's nobody's fault. And they, like, further confessed. And then there was a wacky chase scene where Matt Seidel tried to tried to get him. Yes, that was good, too. Um, the Colt Cabana thing was not funny this week, I didn't think. Nope. No. And... Yeah, that's about it. Alright. AEW Dark. Megan, did you end up watching any of this? I did not. Okay, cool. Let's just skip it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there were 11 matches, you said. There were 11 matches. Um, I will say the only thing that's worth mentioning, Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon finally had their match, and it went to a double count out as we all thought it should. So that's good. Yay. Yeah. All right. Uh, check out the Elite Beat Pod on Instagram. And uh, Megan, let's get into Dynamite, because it was a good one this week. It was. All right, we start out strong, as we usually do for the first match, and we're getting a Jurassic Express versus FDR match, a non-title match they keep hammering home. And before the match even starts, the Young Bucks walk out, stone face, super kick poor Mike Posey, the ref who is in there doing nothing, and then walk backstage. They pull out presumably $10,000, a lot of cash and they throw it at tony khan and say here's your fine money tony and then they walk past him and also past ftr who are waiting to make their entrance and ftr is like whoa how's the elite going guys and they they give them a dirty look and keep moving so they're just not having a great week first official appearance of tony khan yes i couldn't remember the word appearance he just looks like an he looks intern. Very unassuming back there. <laughs> yeah. He's not like Vince McMahon in he his like, like three-piece suit, like sitting back at the controls. Yeah. He looks yeah, like he was... a child playing with his wrestling action figures. <laughs> Which is realistically what he's doing. Yeah. But yeah, t-shirt, jeans, had giant headphones on. He just looked confused when they came by and threw money at him. I really wanted. For the entrance of FTR, I really wanted the camera to follow them from where they were through the tunnel. I thought that would have been really cool because they were right there anyway. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know, like the whole thing, the way it flowed from the Bucks super kicking to walking backstage to, you know, to running into FTR, 
it, it all felt like like a Quentin Tarantino shot or something. Yeah, like yeah. just one long tracking shot. Yeah, 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 that would have been really cool, but they didn't do that. But anyway, yeah, it was, it was an interesting opening. Yeah, uh, it wasn't really clear to me why the Bucks decided to just mess with poor Mike Posey, but I, pff, they hit Marvez last week, so y- you're moving up the ladder, I guess. But anyway, um, Jurassic Express and FTR actually get to do their match after that, and it's very fun. Lots of stuff happens, but ultimately FTR gets the win when Dax gets to roll up Jungle Boy, but he does get an outside assist from Cash, which is cheating, but obviously the ref didn't see, so FTR wins, and the the kind of running thing with this was it's a definitely a non-title match this time but if Jurassic Express had won FTR claimed that they would give them a match next week with the titles on the line I saw a flip by one of the FTR boys didn't it result in getting <laughs> yeah I was gonna say didn't it result in him getting like slammed down or <laughs> he still flipped <laughs> I thought uh I thought this was one of the better FTR matches because Jungle Boy is like the perfect opponent for their style of an underdog babyface who you just keep rooting for and they're able to just keep cutting off over and over again until he makes the the big tag to his giant partner. Yeah, he's like the antithesis of no flips, just fists. So FTR must genuinely hate him. (laughs) Uh, There was so much that... or so much that went on in this match. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I think that's all I can really say about it. Uh, but yeah, both of these teams are great and they work together really well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next seg- segment is a backstage video where earlier in the day, Alex Marvez had come upon Private Party who were hovering over Matt Hardy as well as a doctor and Matt Hardy is on the ground, clutching his knee, obviously in pain. And Private Party looked confused as the doctor is looking him over. And Marvez was like, hey, what happened? And if I remember right, I think Private Party said, we were talking to Matt about our match. We turned around and then he got attacked and we didn't see who it was. Yep. So, so they were pretty close to the action, but somehow did not see what happened to Matt. And... Jericho and Hager roll up, being the heels that they are, and they taunt Matt and tell Private Party, we'll see you guys at our match later tonight. So, put two and two together, boys. Jericho had a bat. He had a bat. He did, and it was dented. Well, was I didn't even notice that. Oh, fake bat. I, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's related to this specific se- segment, but um, he when you see it later in the night, it looks like that bat's been through hell, so he might need to get a new one. But anyway, Matt Hardy's out, and I assume that that just means the emotional support he was giving Private Party uh, is going to mess them up later. Yeah, the implication, like, the implication that I thought was that they wanted to take away the, that advantage from Private Party. The, you know, the inner circle. And there's like the through line there of like Sammy Guevara being in a feud with uh, Matt Hardy, so they were doing it for their boy too. True. Plus Jericho's 
mad Matt didn't want to join his club when he first got to AEW. So yeah, layers. But uh, it was kind of weird to me that they did this just a week after having Matt Hardy come out and say he was going to be focusing on his health anyway. Uh, the next thing we have on the docket is a singles match between Frankie Kazarian and Adam Page, both of notable tag teams. And on commentary, Kenny is is here for this one. Um, Kenny spends the whole time on commentary basically talking about how he's going to move on to be a singles wrestler while Adam's doing his best to, I think, show that he's back in the swing of things. He, he gets the win over Frankie when he does his buckshot lariat, but Kenny is not impressed enough to stick around and congratulate him. He just walks away, and poor Adam multiple times <laughs> glances toward the announce table where Kenny is and looks sad, but when Kenny is gone after his match without saying anything to him, Adam looks real depressed and then requests a beer be handed to him, which is sad. He looked around very expectantly, trying to, to see if Hangman was approving of his uh, victory. Did anyone else from the commentary of this match, did it remind you of the storyline from Total Divas when they, um, when Ariana and Trinity uh, oh. had singles matches and like the, the through line <laughs> of like, oh, Trinity's not like... She didn't have the stamina to yeah. do this three minute match by herself. Like, they kept talking about, like, oh, like, Kazarian and, and Hangman were, like, looking to the corner and going to the corner and getting tired and, like, you know, I, I just, I, it may remind me of that. Yeah, that's funny. Except, except in this version, it's not like they both have a three-minute match on their own shows and then after one single experience decide, never again. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Oh. I think Adam did better than both Arion and Trinity. Yes. He, he and Kazarian had a very good match, and I thought, like, like kind of a hoss match, even uh. though they both do some some flying, high flying there. They were hitting each other really hard. You forget sometimes that like, because he moves really well that Adam Page is a, a giant dude. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There was a, there was a uh, there was a near fall here, and I forget what move it was on. But Kenny on commentary said, "Oh, this is the this is the, that was the part where I'd usually run in and make the save." Yep. But, uh, I guess he took care of it himself. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Oh, it's like that sort of sounds like he's sad, but he's so gung ho about not rejoining with Adam. We have a mutual friend who just actually i'll say because he's, he's hosted the show before uh, jason um who absolutely is he is he is over this whole elite thing like he it is it is way stretched past his patience and he he complains to me about it every week it's like god they're still doing this and i'm just like i hope it goes another year like <laughs> i love it every single week every little uh you know story breadcrumb they throw out there i am just like i'm so invested in every single thing that's happening with this storyline yeah i think part of it is that they're actually doing it really well and 
the relationship dynamic feels way more real than some of the stuff WWE has put on. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe Jason's just got WWE brain rot. It it shocks him when someone's doing good storytelling and wrestling. Yeah, because like you said, this could go on for another year for me if they keep the nuance and the layers and they keep doing as well as they are because real relationships and friendships have these rocky moments and that's that's part of what's interesting and seeing them the arc of them eventually getting back together is going to be really happy mm-hmm. so megan i never want to have a rocky moment like this with you okay well <laughs> i i won't try to go on to singles wrestling without you thank god yeah yeah even at the end i feel like tony tony said to kenny did you see how good Adam did? Any chance you're going to change your mind? And Kenny was like, no. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Adam's Chiron this week said no longer in a tag team. Well, it was sad when I saw that. That leads me to believe he has some level of realization. I, I think just that sad. he's not in control of his Chiron. I... <laughs> I've always wondered, but maybe you're right. Maybe maybe Kenny's backstage with Tony Khan being like, let's make this very clear, TK. Yeah, like the guy that he's in a contentious relationship with right now is an EVP. He, mm-hmm. he can control that shit. Ugh, that's sad. Yeah. There was also a, a moment on commentary where Tony asked Kenny to confirm something. He said that this match was originally offered to Kenny and Adam as a tag team. That was such a great against... touch. Yes. That was a really yes. good touch. Yeah, and Kenny says, I can't confirm that. <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, oh. That was such a great touch, and it made total sense that they would like do that. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so overall, this just this wonderful, great storytelling, and I worry about Adam. He seems like he's going to take another downward spiral. Um, also unrelated to this match, I just made the note that this is the first time during the show that I noticed Leva Bates was cosplaying as Aris from Final Fantasy VII. Oh. Okay. That must be why Hikaru Shida posted a picture of her next to Leva Bates, like, and she had her, like, mouth agape, like she was amazed. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I couldn't tell what was going on. I knew she was cosplaying because her hair was down, but I didn't know what was happening. I, yeah, I was like, did you borrow Hikaru Shida's outfit? Because it's like the same one she wore when she went on Instagram and did the piano thing. So, it was random. Uh, but yeah. After this, it looks like MJF is going to have a match, but all he does is cut a promo and then leaves without having a match, and no one is announced to be fighting him, so it was kind of a weird weird thing i wasn't sure if i was missing something but he walks out as if he's gonna fight and then he cuts a promo on moxley saying you know i'm an honest guy you guys all know i'm an honest guy Wait, did you but moxley i must have they must have cut it out oh weird okay yeah so what happened was they come back from commercial this match is in the ring uh mjf immediately pokes sean dean in the eye and then takes him down with the uh the salt of the earth arm bar 
and taps him out. Like t- it was like ten seconds long. Oh, you didn't see well, that really? No. How weird. I may I maybe I missed it because when I came back, maybe I went slightly too far, but it looked like MJF was walking out for the first time, mm. and then all this happened. So I don't know. Interesting. All right. Well, sorry, Sean Dean. That sucks. Um, I guess the aftermath of that then is what I saw, which was MJF saying he's an honest guy, Moxie's a cheater, and that he should be AEW World Champion, technically. Um, And then he demands everyone start to refer to him as MJF, the undefeated, undisputed, uncrowned world champion of all elite wrestling, which he makes Justin Roberts say. And goes on to proclaim that although he's a lone wolf, maybe it's time to join a wolf pack because the only way to get ahead in AEW seems to be as part of a group. I hope this means Kevin Nash is coming in. I thought, is this is this how the wolf pack shows up? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be really excited if they, if they got Nash just to do something. He said it in that way that's like... Like, the way Kip said, I have a best man, and it's the best man. So, maybe Kevin Nash is going to show up. That'd be great. Um, what do you think? Like, realistically, is he going to start his own thing? Or do you put him with FTR, maybe? Or, or what, what do you do with, uh, with him at this point? He seems like he doesn't want to take orders from anyone so i would think he would form his own group of underlings okay like ftr seem a little too strong in their opinions for him to join okay well we'll have to see he probably wouldn't want to take orders from tully either no although stylistically i think that's makes sense um, as far as like he keeps talking about how he's a technical wrestler and how he's got skill and FTR they don't do no flips so right. that part makes sense it's just I can't picture MJF taking orders from anyone yeah well I mean I think he'd be you know he would definitely be like the Ric Flair of the group if, if we're going to make like a four horseman kind of analog so FTR Tully and him are the four horsemen and I guess Wardlow. And then Five the Horsemen. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm still hoping Wardlow rises up against his jerk boss. Oh, he definitely will at some point, but I don't think the time's now. Okay. We need to be reminded a few more times that he's got a family to take care of. And that MJF signs his paycheck. Yeah. Not Tony. You'd think Tony Khan would be like, I, "You're always around. You want to yeah, come work for AEW?" Yeah, they're, they're wrestlers <laughs> in that company who have two contracts for Christ's sake. Yeah, Wardlow, you want one? <laughs> oh well, well, we'll see where that goes. Um, one of your favorite segments, Andy, is up oh, next. Yes. We have a technique by Taz Tell breaking me about down Ricky Stocks. Ricky Stocks. Ricky Stacks, his um, Rochambeau finisher and his spear. The way, Man, the graphics. The way Taz <laughs> talked about the multiple grips based on what, like, 
like what he was trying to do with the move was just like mind melting to me. It was like, you're so great. And they put those friggin' arrows on the screen when he was doing the spear demonstration. <laughs> yeah, as if you didn't know which direction he was going. It's like yeah. arrows towards the guy. <laughs> like John Madden was a fucking telestrator in 1987. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I, lo- I love Technique by Taz. I, uh, yeah, it's definitely funny and it's more enjoyable when he's talking about his guy because he gets really into it and is, uh, you know, not as snarky about it. Nothing will ever top him breaking down the uh, the the Moxley move, though, no, um, and explaining that he couldn't possibly do it to Brian Cage. Because he doesn't have a neck. Yeah. It's true. Nothing to grip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, we'll get back to Taz. Uh, but next up, we have an in-ring promo with Eddie Kingston and all his best friends. Eddie has three points he wants to cover. First of all, please remember, he never lost the Battle Royal. I remember. The second point Eddie brings up is that he, the Lucha Bros, the Butcher and the Blade, are a family. Please do not refer to them as a faction or a stable. That's incorrect. They are family. And apparently they're a family that loves violence, so when they fight amongst each other, they resolve things by being violent to other people. And at this point, Eddie tells his boys to pick some victims out of the crowd so they can beat up on them, and we get a couple jobbers getting pulled into the ring and dispatched quickly by the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade, and then push them back out of the ring. And then Eddie gets to his third and final point, which is that now that their immediate family here is together and harmonious again, it's time for the Blade to get his house in order. Oh, yeah, they're going after the Nightmare family. So, do you think they're just going to be like, Allie, remember when you were the bunny? Yep. <laughs> remember that we're married? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I, just, I like that they're addressing it, though. Yeah, it's just kind of like, hey, you know how you're flirting with QT Marshall? You right. gotta come back here. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm your husband, please come back. Yeah, she and QT are both married to other people in real life, so it's, yeah. Yeah, so I, I would like to see the bunny rejoin the Butcher and the Blade, but I think it's gonna be a weird transition. Could be. The next match we have is the Private Party versus Chris Jericho and Jake Hager match. Um, Private Party's all out of sorts because Matt has been hitting a knee. And maybe that contributes to the fact that they lose. Chris Jericho and Jake Hager get the win when Jericho pins poor Isaiah Cassidy after doing the Judas effect on him. But in his defense, his back had been torn up for the whole match. The whole last sequence where Isaiah ducked the first Judas effect and then, like, kind of did a springboard into the second one was really cool. Mm-hmm. He took a super good bump for it, too. This is... I, I'm, I'm finding, after two weeks, that I really, really like the Jericho and Hager team. They're really good at... They just they just give their opponents everything, pretty much, until they, until they win in the end. But they really put over... Like, last week, they put over Sonny with a chance of White Claw really well before beating him. And this week, they... They pretty much gave everything to Private Party before before uh, finally getting the win at the end. Yeah. I thought it was really 
really fun, and Hager is a perfect base for all of Private Party's high-flying antics. Yeah. And then uh, after the match, Jericho was uh, doing a little extracurricular activity on Isaiah Cassidy with the uh, walls of Jericho, but then Mark Quinn came in and hit him with a Pele kick. So I don't know if that means like maybe we'll get a one-off Jericho, Mark Quinn singles match or something, but that kind of seemed to be like maybe what they were setting up because there's it doesn't seem to be like a reason to do this match again unless they're doing like a full feud because it seems like Jericho and Hager's storyline is that they're just kind of working their way through the tag team division. Yeah, but they did. I mean, you we know that Jericho and Hager took out Matt Hardy, so maybe there's a reason to have a little side. Yeah, like just a little side thing with them yeah. as they, you know, move forward as a team. That's a good point, actually. Uh, yeah, and unrelated to the match, I just really loved that Isaiah Cassidy was wearing Hey Arnold socks. I didn't even notice that. That's great. <laughs> one had Arnold and one had Gerald on them. Mm-hmm. I love that this company is full of nerds, basically. Okay, uh, after that match, we had the Women's NWA World Title Championship match between Ivelisse and Thunder Rosa. And Thunder Rosa gets the win. She does her tombstone pile driver, so she doesn't lose her title, which doesn't seem like a huge su- surprise there um, on AEW television. But then after the match, Diamante attacks Thunder Rosa, and Sheeta has to run in to make the save. And Sheeta picks up the NWA Women's Championship belt and looks at it for a minute before she hands it back over to Thunder Rosa. So I assume their business isn't done. But as far as the match itself goes, Andy, you texted me saying, pay attention, something seems weird in this one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if because of that I projected stuff onto them, but... Were they really just, like, angry at each other? So, uh, there were moments in the match where it just kind of appeared, to me, and this is just when I was watching it last night, it seemed to me like Ivelisse was not selling certain things, Hmm. and then it seemed like they were really laying their shit in. So, according to Fightful today, uh... Thunder Rosa and Ivelisse started exchanging real strikes during their match as it broke down a bit. Um, there was a rumor going around in the AEW locker room that the two weren't getting along prior to their match. And it appeared that Ivelisse wanted to test the NWA Women's World Champion by not selling, and Thunder Rosa uh, decided she was going to make her sell. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Thunder Rosa is a mixed martial artist also. And... And, like, so apparently, like, so I don't know how much of this is true, but apparently this match was heavily edited, and they took a lot of some of the, like, the non-cooperation spots out, but left in the kind of, like, the stiff stuff and the no-selling, but, yeah, apparently there was just, like, it was really awkward, and um, people backstage at NXT were talking about it last week after after they, uh, they recorded it. At wow. NXT or AEW? In NXT. Like oh, it was, wow. It was, okay. it was like locker room talk in NXT. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so the heavy editing, that makes sense. Because 
I saw, and again, I was like, I'm looking too hard at this. I'm seeing too much, reading into this too much because it looked like they were hitting each other really hard, but also like I could see them talking and, you know, doing some cooperative stuff. But then Ivelisse on one move where I think Fenderosa was getting her into a, like a hold, she just looked bored as she like lifted her arms up. Yeah. And it was like, what the hell's going on? But also, like, Thunderosa did that dropkick into Serena Deeb, and that looked really genuinely brutal, and those two seemed to have a fine match, so I wasn't sure if Thunderosa just worked stiff. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I don't really know the veracity of this, because there was this, like, picture going around from All Out, which, as you'll recall, was just two weeks ago, and it was, it was Ivelisse, Thunderosa, Diamante, and Tay Conti, like, who snapped a picture together and all standing around smiling like they were best friends. So, and you know, and they worked together in Lucha Underground and didn't have a problem. And so I don't know, I, I just, I don't know if this is all erroneous or, or, or what the deal is. But Weird. I thought I should mention it because there was some reporting about it today. Hmm. I, yeah, that's, and it's weird because they've scheduled a match for next week with Sheeta and Thunderosa teaming against Ivelisse and Diamante. So yeah, oh, that that might be awkward again then. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, we'll is see. that one going to be live? Yeah, uh, that is going to be live. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes, because uh, I don't know. They, the they kind of made it seem like Sheeta wanted that NWA title though too. So maybe they'll do a rematch for the for for Thunder's belt this time at some point. Yeah, I mean, is it realistic that they have such a collaborative thing with the NWA that it, it's possible? Like, we didn't think Thunderosa had a chance to win Sheeta's belt because she wouldn't be able to, like, take it away and, and go do stuff with it. So is it, yeah. I would I assume, going not. the same I mean, way? Yeah, I don't see why not. You, they, they have a working relationship. NWA doesn't really have a very big platform. This is by far their biggest platform right now. And if you could work it out so that Sheeta would like go to an NWA show at some point and drop the title back to Thunder Rosa, I don't see how that's, I think that that's good for both sides. Yeah. I think that would be cool to see. And knowing that it's possible would take away the obvious, like I'm assuming Sheeta's going to win if that match occurs because, or no, sorry, Thunder Rosa would win if that match occurs because Right. I assume Thunder, Thunder Rosa can't lose it, you know? Yeah, there's in a lot of situations like these, there seems to be an inevitability to the result. Yeah. A little cross-company stuff would be cool, since it's never going to happen with, like, WWE ever. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll get Billy Corgan in the mix. I think Thunder Rosa has been such a great add to the company the last three weeks. I agree with that. Yeah, she's very good. Well, fingers crossed they continue this partnership and let her hang around. Um, from that potentially awkward match, we go to backstage where Kip and Penelope are training with their new best bud, Miro. And Miro appears to bench a whole lot, perhaps even more than Wardlow. <laughs> Big strong guy. Yeah, and he is hyped. Kip is trying to do, like, 
cut a promo and, you know, put him over. And Miro gets up and he's like, I just want to get in the ring and devour someone. Come on, come on. And Kip's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First order of business. My wedding, obviously. And Miro's like, okay, you're right. I'm the best man. I'm going to provide you the best bachelor party ever. And he was right. Yep. And, uh, and then they sort of duck into some cryptic, I want to say, war zone talk that yes. probably refers to something that happened on Twitch that we don't know about, but like they're some, video game buds. Yeah, some Call of Duty multiplayer stuff. Okay. I think Warzone is a mode in Call of Duty. I think I've heard, I've heard Warzone as a thing mentioned on our various video game podcasts we listen to. Right. I just don't know anything about Call of Duty. <laughs> Here's what I want to know about this segment. Did you notice Penelope's face when Miro started talking about the bachelor party? Did she? <sighs> she did not look psyched about the idea of the bachelor party. Because she was mostly just kind of a wallflower during this segment, but the one time that she really like made herself her presence known was when he started talking about how it was going to be the best bachelor party ever. Well, I mean, maybe she's one of those those wives or going to be wives that don't really, you know, you don't want your fiance getting all messed up potentially the day before your wedding because some people have them that yeah, close you, you should never have them the day before your wedding no or even the day before the rehearsal for your wedding my brother made that mistake and he was vomiting at his rehearsal oh, no. both uh, he was an hour late at the church and then he had to leave to vomit everyone was super happy with him we did our parties what like a, a month before yeah yeah we were smart about it yeah, I assume you don't want to feel hungover and, like, garbage at your wedding. Seems yeah. bad. You want to feel that the day after your wedding. <laughs> yes. Do you think it was a deeper issue than that? Like, or do you think she was just doing the, the typical, like, please don't get my fiancé no, all Mira's destroyed? probably going to take him to Vegas, and, I mean, I've seen enough bravo shows to know what happens in vegas <laughs> he is not taking him to vegas it's covid times they're, go they're going to a uh they're going to a, like a fake strip club set that they create in daily's place somewhere <laughs> oh my gosh it's like the like the bellas and daniel bryan and uh what's his name uh derek bateman double date that was clearly an italian restaurant that was just in an office in like whatever arena they were in that week <laughs> yes lots of restaurants are windowless andy it made yeah. sense <laughs> Yeah, uh, should be interesting. Should be interesting. It's such a strange use of this really big star that they signed. They'll, they'll, he'll have, it's a nice change for him, mm -hmm. and they'll bring it back. He appears to be having fun. Yeah, I um, think that's what's mo most important. Yeah. I think Jenny was right. Maybe he comes in and he wants to do some slightly different type of character, with the knowledge that once this bachelor party thing is over and the wedding, you know, he's been in it, then he just go gets to, like, go destroy dudes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He pumps a lot of iron, guys. It's very scary. Mm. Okay, so those two are having fun, clearly on Twitch together, and I was wondering 
if Lana was going to show up for the bachelorette party, but I don't think she's allowed, unfortunately. Nope. So, yeah, back to the ring. Um, Jake Roberts is there with Lance Archer. Lance walks out to the ring, and on his way, he pulls a poor jobber over the barrier and chokeslams him because that's how Lance makes an entrance. Um, after this happens, Jake starts quoting Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here, but he takes some liberty on the lyrics and ends with, would you exchange pleasure for pain? After all, aren't they the same? And that's kind of his and Lance's mentality. Um, apparently Lance needs some tag team partners. There's going to be a six-man match next week. Lance is in it, Moxie's in it, but Lance doesn't have friends, so... How did he this match get booked then? I don't know. I was like, what is happening? I thought he was going to fight him for the belt and that was going to be it. But, I mean, don't but, get me wrong. I'm glad how everything turned out in this segment. But I was just thinking like, what? why is there this match where you're just, Tony Khan just sitting there like, okay, John Moxley and TBA and TBA versus Lance Archer and TBA and TBA. And they'll just have to figure out their own partners. <laughs> but we have to have this six-man tag. Yeah. Seems like that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So Lance, Lance meets partners, and he's scary, so no one wants to be around him. So Jake decides to bury the hatchet between him and Taz, and he calls Taz out and says, If I'm going to make a deal with the devil, it might as well be the Tasmanian <laughs> devil. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Jake calls out Taz, and Taz walks out. He He looks not confused, but like... Yeah, okay. A little tentative. So Jake's like, hey, we need Team Taz. Because Team Taz plus the Murder Hawk, that's how you win matches. And Taz is like, that's cool. We're d- we definitely have our deal going. And then he says the deal is that once, J- er, once um, Lance wins the belt from Moxley, he has to face Brian Cage first and give him a shot at winning the title. Which Lance is like, yeah, that's cool. Like, you guys and I both are enemies with Moxley, and so enemies of your enemies, they're friends. I don't know. I can't do sentences tonight. Um, so enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yes. Only Lance says friendly. He doesn't admit that they're possibly friends. So he's cool with this deal. And he says, you know, when it comes down to him versus Brian Cage, they are going to, like, go full Godzilla up in here. So, he's excited, I think, to be able to be violent to a large man. I like that they came up with this, like, plan where they could, you know, mutually benefit. They problem-solved. They did. This is why you have managers to broker these kinds of deals. Yeah. I mean, I'm on board. I still think, like you said, I don't really know how this match happened, but good for them. Yeah. Teaming up. Uh, at this point, Moxley, of course, has to respond. So he walks out and he does his typical thing where he comes in through the crowd area and then he sort of hangs near the seats because he doesn't want to go, I think, into the ring with Lance and, and Jake and Taz at the moment. And he doesn't get to say anything before Ricky Starks and Brian Cage who are posing as 
audience members, or at least Ricky Starks is. Brian Cage is again wearing jeans and no shirt, so I don't think he's trying to pose as anything. But they attack Moxley and start beating him up up in the seating area. I thought it was a fan again. If, Did like, you? Just, just at the very first, not when they were, you know, beating on him, but when they first, when Ricky Starks first popped into frame, I thought it was a fan again, like, to try to jump Moxley the week before. Remember that? Yeah, but that was a kid, and that kid got scooped up by security. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. I thought this one did a little better. I, I thought it was Ricky Starks, because his eyes, I could recognize his eyes over the mask that yeah, he was wearing. Yeah, I pretty quickly. Oh, I mean, like, when it first started. I was like, okay. oh, Moxie's about to get jumped. Then you were ahead of me. But, like, Brian Cage comes from left frame. He's not even trying to hide. No mask, just, just big and shirtless. Uh, but yeah, they beat, they start beating up Moxley, and who comes to help him but Will Hobbs. Recent Battle Royal favorite, Will oh, Hobbs. Yes, Will Hobbs, who just got signed officially yesterday morning. Oh, good for him. Yeah, he's got a contract now, and they're like, like fuck, they're like pushing the guy. This is, this is like... This is another, like, homegrown guy that they can claim, and they're actually trying to do something with him. This made me so happy. It's like, all right, like, let's get another, like, AEW original up and running. Hell yeah, I was surprised to see him. I'm like, of all the people, they're suddenly putting Will Hobbs on TV? I'm okay with that, but... He's a good he's a good counterpoint in, or counterpart in that match for, um, for Brian Cage, I thought. Yeah, another big dude. Yeah. Yeah, he goes crazy on them with a chair. He starts coming out at... Team Taz with a metal chair and it causes them to scatter and run away. And then Moxley's like, yo, this is Will Hobbs, my boy. And he's hyped to have him on his team, but he did the math. That's only two people and they need a third. So he looks to the camera and he says, Darby Allen, I know you're home right now, but I need you to show up next week for this six man tag and be on the team. So yeah, I it's what a team. Darby Moxley and Hobbs versus Lance and Team Taz. This is a very good example of t- starting from zero and building up to like a crescendo. And st- you start with nothing and you end up with a great main event for the next week. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I would agree. Especially since I thought they were so quick to schedule the title match between Lance and Moxley on a dynamite. Mm-hmm. That I figured, oh, well, this is just going to go really quickly, isn't it? But I'm glad they're adding some stuff in. Who who do you think is the pen eater in this match? Is it Ricky Starks or, uh, or I don't know, would it, would it, be, would it be Hobbs or, or Darby if it goes to the, if the heels win? I would think, man. It's a lot easier call on the heel side of who would lose. Yeah. So I feel like you can, like, like Ricky Starks, that's kind of his role in the Team Taz, you know? It is, unless you want to sacrifice Brian Cage in, like, a weird way so that Lance gets mad at him. But he's already hyped to fight him, so you probably don't need to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Is Darby, um, is Darby out, or he hasn't been on TV recently, is it because he's, he's still injured from the Casino Royal or Casino Battle Royal, right? Is that what the story is? Yeah, he's still selling that that injury, yeah. Okay, so maybe... Maybe if the good guys have to lose, he could 
take that because it seems like it'd be a shame to have Will Hobbs eat the pin on his first yeah big outing. So that's that, I almost just think like the heel, the heels are gonna lose and Ricky Starks will eat the fall because it doesn't matter then. Yeah, he's that he's good at it. Yeah, he'll be back. <laughs> yeah. I loved the segment though. Will Hobbs was like banging that chair against the uh, the railings like like he was trying to like break through them. It bent, man. It was. Yeah. He's a strong dude. I bet his hands hurt like hell afterwards from the like reverberations. Probably, but he looked so excited. Like I think he was probably pure adrenaline at this point. I found out yesterday he's ten years in already. Like this is like he's been trying to like get a break for ten years. Oh man, that's so exciting for him. Yeah, but I th- I thought he was like some new guy, you know. Yeah, I figured he was like maybe an athlete that they had recruited much like an nxt where it's like oh you're done playing football come on in you know yeah just because he's so huge no i think he was like a bodybuilder guy out in california ah okay i saw that um gif of him rolling over to make sure matt sidell didn't die and i it touched my heart yeah (laughs) very nice of him it's like oh you're so great okay Oh, yeah, this is exciting. I think that'll be a fun one. All right, with all that being said, are we ready to move on to the main event? Best friends in Santana and Ortiz are meeting out in the parking lot. Now, Andy, did the setup of this match remind you of the one on NXT with Adam Cole and uh, Velveteen Dream? Um, I never actually ended up watching that match. Okay. I know that there was a ring involved, though, for some reason. There was, and there was, like, a ring with a bunch of cars around it with all their lights on, so this felt like a scaled-down sort of version of that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's pretty much where the similarities ended because a lot of crazy stuff happened in this. And um, Santana and Ortiz come out, and they have face paint on that one of the announcers said makes them look straight out of the dead presidents. Yeah. Is that what they were going for? I, I wasn't sure because I haven't seen that movie. Yeah, I think so. Um that was uh, like a you know mid '90s Hughes Brothers like kind of heist movie. I can picture the cover with the face paint, and I was like, yeah. "Yeah, that that is okay." When they first showed up, though, I was thinking the Warriors. But then when they said Dead Presidents, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's more likely." Okay, they look they look very scary with it. They looked awesome. Yeah, and when Santana's head busted open and the blood mixed with it, I was like, "Man, I hate blood," but this looks like, pretty cool actually. Yeah. So, <laughs> a lot of stuff happened in this match. Um, the best friends win. Trent gets to pin Ortiz. He does a reverse... Is it a pi- reverse pile driver? Or, like, I don't know what that move's called, but he did it onto a piece of wood in the bed of a truck, and it looked painful. He calls it the crunchy... It's, it's like, it's his half of the strong zero. Okay, yeah. Um, it, looked, it looked rough on that piece of wood. So. Through a piece of plywood into the back of a flatbed truck yep <laughs> if yep. you like this kind of match this was a great one of those <laughs> that's what i will say and i like that kind of match so for me this was a great one of those i i like seeing my boys win lax not lax sorry proud and powerful power bomb trent through a windshield Yep. They did. They, they, 
They put Ortiz under the hood of a car and did sentons onto it. Yes, they did. <laughs> and shortly after, Ortiz threw a sledgehammer through the front of window of a car, and I thought he was going to kill Chuck. That was a great spot. <laughs> it was I think so if we've fun. learned anything from this feud, it's that if you throw a sledgehammer at a car windshield, it will go through and get stuck in it. I thought he was going to, like, Triple H him because he put his hand over the end, you know, the way you definitely use a sledgehammer. Absolutely. And then he just sort of threw it. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, Chuck, also at the finish there, he hit Ortiz with a pile driver. Or no, uh, Santana with a pile driver on the hood of a different car. And, uh, and this was all, of course, set up by... Uh, Santana was just beating on Chuck mercilessly and he grabbed a bat to take a run out of him and then like out of the trunk of a one of the cars nearby Orange Cassidy hopped out and had a chain wrapped around his fist and hit uh, Santana with the uh, or Ortiz which one which one did he hit Megan he hit Santana because Santana had like gotten chuck to like sit up against the car so he's sort of back and then chuck hit the key fob trunk opener and orange cassie ran and like just jumped straight at santana and like hit him with the superman punch with the chain wrapped around his fist yep and then the finishing sequence happened and the best friends win and that has to be the end of the feud because they can't there's nothing they can do that will top this, this or be better than what we saw after the match which i would like you to describe Okay, well, this was all for Sue. So, after the match, she swings by in a new van yeah. that I assume Trent has hooked her up with. And Trent, Orange, and Chuck climb into the van. And <laughs> she, she, um, she hugged Trent with his like bloody glass-filled back. And yes. Tony Schiavone said, she's hugging her bloody son. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, it was really gross. And she looked concerned. I'm like, Sue, don't worry. He does this. It's okay. Yeah. So I'm glad that he hugged her and I hope confirmed, like, everything's good. But yeah, then they, they climbed in and Sue was like, all right, boys. And then she starts to drive away slowly and she stops, puts her hand out the window, and then just flips him the bird as she drives away. <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> It's amazing. T-H-E-B-E-S-T. <laughs> this was one of my favorite things that's ever happened on Dynamite. I'm serious. It's I love great. The match. I, I understand it's not for it's not to everyone's taste, but I don't know how anyone could not love the celebration afterwards and the Sue thing. Heck yeah, she got like she got hers in a way that poor Nina never got. <laughs> poor Nina's never gonna get her come up and on the on the MJF. It still upsets me, but I'm glad Sue got a moment, and I'm glad that she was there to like to witness her boys winning and to be defended. Basically, like the announce team said, this match is to defend Sue's honor because yeah. Santana and Ortiz said their only regret about destroying her car was that she wasn't in it at the time, which is pretty dark. I'll say. So that was dynamite. I thought it was I thought it was one of the better ones we've had in a long time. I don't want to be too hyperbolic and say one of the best ones ever, but it was really really good. I agree. I think it was really strong, especially since I 
think last week we all kind of fell on the meh side of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, viewers tended to agree, even though they were back in uh, competition head-to-head with NXT this week. AEW did a .34, 886,000 viewers, and finished third in the demo after only something, a Real Housewives reunion and uh, I think Tucker Carlson or some asshole like that. Uh, so yeah, so last week they were .37, 1.016 million, and seventh in the demo. So they actually improved in the demo um, as far as placing, but I think that's because there was no uh, no basketball games this week to go up against. Uh, NXT at a .18, 689,000 viewers, 31st in the demo. So NXT went from 15th place last week to 31st place this week. It's rough. Stay on Tuesdays, NXT. All right, let's get some news in real quick. Uh, AEW is introducing a season pass for those attending Dynamite tapings at Daly's Place in Jacksonville. The pass will cover seven tapings beginning with the September 23rd taping and will cost $175. Uh, AEW states that the season pass will cover televised events in September, October, and November. So I think that... Will that indi- include the pay-per-view? Probably. I think that would probably indicate to you that they are not getting out of Daly's Place anytime soon. Um, I like Daly's Place. I think they should stay there. I do too. But I think this probably speaks to, you know, they're having trouble filling it every week now. Yeah. Had the uh, sales numbers gone down again this week? I don't know. I didn't. Well, they would have been the same as they were last week because it was taped. Oh, you know. You're right. I keep forgetting that it's every other week. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, I listened to uh, the Gallows and Andersons Talking Shop podcast last week, and they had the Young Bucks on. And you guys know how, like, there was the whole story about how Gallows and Anderson were supposed to debut on on the first Dynamite, and yep. they were gonna like join the Inner Circle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, so anyway, a piece of that story that had not been told before, but the Young Bucks kind of let it slip, it wasn't just Gallows and Anderson who were going to do that, it was also AJ Styles who was going to be there as well. Oh, oh damn. Wow. And so they probably, in that case, I'm guessing it wouldn't have actually been the Inner Circle. I think it would have been, they would have had their own, like, crew, uh, the, the three of them. But, uh, but you know, but also AJ also took the... Took the WWE money. Um, anyway, AJ on his Twitch stream re- responded to this, and uh, this is what he said. I mean, I mean, listen, my contract was coming up with WWE. This is a business. There was a possibility something like that could happen. So, I mean, anything's possible, but I- I'm glad and I'm happy where I'm at. Do I love those guys? 100%. I'm sorry, did AJ just call in? AJ, are you there? <laughs> I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> and uh, so I, anyway, I thought that was interesting. Oh, that would have been fun, but I totally get, I'm sure they threw a bunch of money at AJ too. Probably. Yeah. One more news story. Jenny has already heard this one, but Megan, you're going to be excited. There are reports from the WrestleVotes Twitter account, which uh, is, is pretty decent with scoops. And I've also seen it from uh, other quarters of dark wrestling Twitter that uh, Ricochet, <clears throat> whose WWE contract is up in January of 2021, 
has at this point chosen not to resign with the company. Yay! Get out of there! Cannot wait come... for Ricochet! Yeah, come to AEW. Play with your friends. I was thinking, if you left, I would think you would definitely want to go back to New Japan, because I think he loved New Japan. But also, it would make, it would make sense that they would offer him a, like one of those deals where you could yeah. do both. Yeah, they seem a lot more flexible than a WWE. So, Ricochet responded to these rumors on Twitter. He said, Where the hell do these rumors start? I've never said once that I am leaving. To anyone. So for these dirt sheets out there, maybe fact check before you just blast some trash on your website for some clicks. Oh. But what's he going to say? Mm. Like, you know? Yeah, definitely you have to toe the company line while you're still being employed, but... Yeah. You'll be free soon enough. You didn't want to get buried nonstop for three straight months here. Yeah, anyway. they can make your life really bad. Yeah. So I don't know I don't know if it's true, but you know. That would be it would so he would certainly be a good addition to that company. Oh yeah. Okay, quick quick uh preview for next week, because we have two dynamites to watch. Oh my. Megan, I'm sure your head was spinning when they were trying to promote stuff for like two different shows next week. I just usually give up when they start doing the barrage of title or cards at the end of the show. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll see it next week. It's fine. So do you remember last week when you asked me, are they just going to like kind of throw some like whatever stuff out there on that one hour show? Yeah, because they didn't know where it would fit in the timeline. Yeah. And I said, no, 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 they're going to throw like a really big lineup out there because they're that's going to be like after an NBA game. Well, was I was I wrong, right? Megan. You were right. Uh, your instincts were good because this is the lineup. It's not that bad, but it's not like it's not an. I wouldn't say it's an A plus lineup. Okay. Uh, it's like somewhere between Dynamite and Dark. I would say we've got. We are getting the Brandy Rhodes versus Anna J match on that show. Okay. Which has storyline buildup. We are getting Scorpio Sky versus uh, Ben Carter, which oh, should yay. be an exciting match at least. And we are getting the singles debut of Matt Seidel up against Sean Spears. Okay. So none of these things, yeah, again, like, these could occur at any time. They're not pushing any main storylines forward. So it makes sense. Yeah. And Chris Jericho will be on commentary for the whole show. Of course. Yeah. Now, as for next week's Dynamite, the regular Dynamite that airs on Wednesday, this is our lineup. TNT Championship, Mr. Brody Lee versus Orange Cassidy. Oh. John Moxley, Darby Allen, and Will Hobbs versus Lance Archer, Brian Cage, and Ricky Starks. Yay. Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa versus Ivelisse and Diamante. I'm worried now. Chris Jericho appears live is a big selling point. And of course, <laughs> the real main event Kip Sabian's bachelor party thrown by the best man, Miro. That's going to be a thing. I hope so. Man. So wait, the one hour one is on Tuesday? The one hour one is on Tuesday, yeah. Okay, and then two, the regular two hours on Wednesday. Are we done with basketball? Is this, are we back on track after this? I don't know. I think once we get to like the actual NBA Finals, the games are all on network and not on cable anymore, so we probably don't have to worry about it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so... Okay, I've got three hours of Dynamite to watch this week. And if Correct. they throw together another 11-match dark, I'm going to continue to not get back on board. 
Yeah, I'd say, like, even if it's just a three-match dark, I'm not watching this week. I'm already giving them, like, three hours of my time, so. Yeah, that's true. Well, hey, we got in and out in a pretty short fashion this week, so uh, let's just let's just hit the road. For Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. Thank you for listening to the Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.